for another episode of Genesis Avalon. Yo, yo, yo. Like, not like that. Like, not, not sung silly like that. Um, anyway, hi, I am your host for this evening, um, Catherine Pride. I am the creator Genesis of Avalon. Genesis Avalon and the writer and director and stufer and former actor as I killed myself off. <laughs> um, with me, like usual, is Chris Britton, who is my wonderful editor and uh, main Episode villain. And um, token man in nail polish. Apparently, yeah, because you did. You said something about nail polish, like in in uh, in episode twelve or something too. And I, I, know, I totally I did, didn't I did realize my nails that weird, especially like... just before I started talking to you. Actually, <laughs> they are beautifully red. That they is look, hilariously awesome. They look, they, um, they look great. So. Hello. Talking of musicals, I totally think there should be a, a musical opening for, for Genesis Avalon where it's it's all like jazz hands. <laughs> it would be jazz hands. Um, well, let's see. Let's talk about the episode today. Actually, you you were telling me right before the the uh, the commentary that you were really excited about something in this episode. So why don't you tell everybody what you're excited about? Well, I was I, I'm 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 very pleased to see Doctor Matthews back, and I feel that this opening sequence is. Uh, Gives away a lot of stuff that you've sort of been holding in the background for a while. Yeah, because I'm mean and I don't tell anybody anything. Um. Yes, you are. <laughs> you are mean. Um, and also, there is something coming at the end of the episode, which everyone knows about because they've already listened to it. The return you should have anyway, of so. Roxy. Yes. yes. Which I love. It gets more. It gets crazier from here, people. Like now, we're starting to really ramp up into the meat of the season. The last four episodes have been kind of get. Or last three episodes have kind of been getting you back into pace after the uh, after the season ended and getting you back to you know as Jaina comes back. But now that she's actually back and and kind of staying. Do you understand because what she's saying? actually staying now. End, she's, she's gone. You know, decided to I'll start looking for a place to go. And it still didn't um, help for a damn bit. Now we get to get into like you know the uh, meat of it sorry, and like the fact her. that you know, Gina. Sam apparently is Mister Creeptastic because apparently he spends all of his free time in Asara's old training hall. <laughs> With his lone bottle of bourbon, building a boat, I guess, because he acts a lot like Gibbs. <laughs> Maybe he's carving out a sledge. Yes. Rosebud. Rosebud. <laughs> No, it's a totally different thing. Um, yeah, I've spoiled no. the end of uh, of Citizen Kane for everyone. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's okay. Yeah. But yeah, so we just talked right over the scene, but I mean, it's not a it's not a long scene, so it's easy to talk over it. But yeah, this is um, a commentary. We're supposed to be talking over. Yes, we are supposed to be talking over it. And again, Marlene Norton playing Z, giving me lines that were totally not in my script. Yay! Not even slightly. Not even slightly. Oh, the rant that is in this episode. When we when we get towards the end of it, after Jaina goes through her whiny bitch fest, the rant at the end of that episode, half of that is in the script. The other half of it is a complete ad lib by Marley that had me in tears because Aww. she just sounds so upset, and I was like, that's exactly what I needed because you know, Z is such a chill character, but you know, the whole thing about this episode was something that I wanted to touch on. Which is is the emotional repercussions of being Avalon so far? You know, we watched her run away and push everybody away and have this mistaken sense of entitlement to killing a person, which just shows how screwed up she is. And she leaves for three months, comes back, and finally figures out that clearly she didn't do any good by leaving. But did she do any good by coming back? And now she's got she's hit like this this she's hit depression. I mean, it happens. At some point, your body gets so much stress that it goes, "I'm done. 
What if no and, me that in truth, I'm some you know, her, uh, know I, I really enjoyed writing this because I, I go through periods like this in my life where I do, I feel like crap, I feel like I'm nothing, randomly. I think I most like, people you know, do, and, and I think yeah. everything she's had to face since coming back and the realisation of the things that have occurred, which maybe could have been avoided had she stayed. Yeah. So, and on top of that, she's now, she's now, a, she upset Sam so much in the last episode. With how yeah. she acted after the so after seeing all the crowds of people and just walking right by them, so she could talk to freaking Julian. I think it. she upset him so much on on so many levels that now she's pushed him away too. And I think Jaina finally subconsciously went, oh shit. <laughs> and consciously she wants to act like she doesn't know what's wrong, but I think secretly she really does. She knows what's wrong. Laura Post must have loved you for this. This is like three pages of just just her. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say she loved me for it, but she did record them. <laughs> That's always a good sign. I think she, I mean, you know, as much as flack as she gives me for the monologues, I, I would like to think that part of her likes doing it because it is kind of cool to play a character who is so open in some ways. Like, it's weird, because Jaina is a very closed-down individual sometimes. She doesn't tell people when she's mad, she doesn't tell people why she's mad, and she lets shit just build up. Very true. And then she spills, and when she spills, she spills everything she's feeling, and none of it makes sense anymore. Um... And I like I like writing a character like that um, because you know I think a lot of I think one of the faults of I don't want to say faults but one of the hard things to do in any sort of drama is when you have those moments where characters finally do stop bottling things up and they tell people a lot of writers make them way more put together than they are. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know if I'm accomplishing, you know this goal to make it sound like Jaina is not as put together. I mean, she's clearly in, in what she's telling Z, she's been thinking about this a lot. So it just kind of comes out and talks about how she, you know, it goes from one thing to another until Z's finally like, dude, you're depressed. You need to like, get over it. I know your life sucks, but you got to move on. And, um, I, I really like the scene between the two of them. I think it shows a moment where for Z who never shows worry, she is genuinely goddamn concerned about Jaina. Getting people killed. So, so, how does that make me strong? Because you've gotten through it. If you were really like, I just oh, this, this whole freaking way, way monologue is so good. Yeah, this bit's great, and you've got music running almost throughout the entire episode. There's barely a break. Yes. Um, and the only reason that that happened was because I found a lot of pieces that really linked each other very well. Yeah. And in this case. This piece that is playing behind this scene extended all the way through to the moment where she meets Sam. Like, it's that, it's a long piece, and I was able to use it in its entirety, so it made it easy not to have a break in the music. Um, this is the part where it made me tear up, when her voice breaks talking about the, working in the, uh, in the relief shelters. Yeah, it's a wonderfully impassioned. When she goes, when her breath catches like that, I just, it tugs at my heartstrings. This is all ad-lib right here. It's quite interesting, actually, because this episode is, uh, the script's 22 pages, which is the same as the last couple, which come in. The episodes take you tend to write pretty much bang on a minute a page. Yeah, pretty pretty often. Uh, yeah. But this episode's five minutes longer. I know. I don't know what happened. And I think well, I think it's this. 
I think this is part of it. I think there's a lot of ad libs. Here's the funny part. I actually cut dialogue from the Damn scene it. with her and Dr. Matthews. Really? So I don't know where the lengths came from. Like I cut character, I cut scene, part of a scene, and then Marley went on forever. And then I, and I think part of it is also monologues like that. When I write them, tend to be longer than they're scripted. Yeah, definitely. And people, so you, know, you get a lot of pauses and yeah, dramatic so. pause. And uh, but no, but none of it feels unnecessary. It's a focus. Well, that's good because I one thing I hate is I don't ever want to make anybody feel like the scene didn't need to be there. It's yeah. there for a reason. I went to absolutely. Oh, this is such a sad scene. Originally, it was longer, and there was more about, I mean, Dr. Matthews is like how she lost people and about how, you know, about how she feels. And then I realized that I didn't want it to sound like, I didn't want it to sound like Leanne was just berating Jaina senselessly. She's actually trying to tell Aval- tell her that, no, you are Avalon now, which means you have got to take responsibility for your actions. Somebody died on your watch, which means you've got to tell people. Absolutely. I think Dr. So, Matthews is a very interesting character because orig- when she first appears very early on, she's a- almost a non-essential character. She's kind of like okay. everybody's favorite English professor at college. Well, yeah, she's just like English professor. Okay, she's just there to give a bit of grounding to the fact that Jane is at college and we're never going to see her again. Yeah. But the fact that she is so integrally tied to the plot, and there's still a lot about her and her relationship with Sarah we don't know about. One of the things that I like doing with Avalon is, um, I do have, I mean, there are some throwaway characters out there who don't really have a direct link to Avalon. Yeah. But in this course of this story, the things that happen to her, some of them are just so extreme that you can kind of feel like when the gods made the tapestry of her life they made sure to thread every single person she would need right through it so that she would have everything she needed and i think dr matthews is a very integral part of that someone who is like someone who really yeah i like that a lot (laughs) i mean just like you know i i think of it in the sense of 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 not i'm a not a i'm not like i'm not gonna say i'm a huge fan of 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 fate over coincidence, but I do believe that in the case of this character, whose life is so extraordinary, that ordinary circumstances would not have put those people together. Yes. Something had to accidentally put them together. The fact that she became roommates with Z, the fact that she's best friends with Natalie and Roxy, the fact that she is, you know, happens to be one of the favorite um, students of a woman who was best friends with the previous Avalon. All of these things are just so fantastic that something must have put them together. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's nice. I just I like knowing that all these characters are linked in some way, shape, or form. No, I, think I don't like nice writing well. characters that don't matter. I, I I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is a, that's an integral difference. If I can just just go on a bit more about the theory for a second, sure, yeah. um, that's an integral difference between. Um, uh, between radio drama and television or movie, in that in television you can have you can have person one bystander two, you know fat person forty seven, um, whereas I think in radio unless they really have to be there, you know occasionally you you'll have that extra character who just says oh no, but you think yeah. well do they do they have to be there to say oh no or is the general theory behind the is what everyone else saying does that establish that. There are people there thinking, oh no, but you don't necessarily have to have them there saying it. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, 
Yeah, no, it, I know, I, I agree, I think that, like, I think you and I both do the same thing, in that our shows, we try not to have lots of first-come, 1st serves because we'd like to think that if we're going to put you in our show, you're there for a reason, yeah. and you're going to stick around. Now, occasionally, no, there are FCFSs, in fact, I just, like, I had just had to put out a casting call for them, like, earlier today, um, for a couple in 17 and 18, but they're characters that, like, you know, um, I did kind of need, and, and there are generic characters. Things like demons, they are generic. When Jaina goes up against a normal demon, I don't need necessarily the same person to play them all the time. No, indeed. So. Oh, the scene where I almost say stuff, but then don't. <laughs> yes. We won't judge you for it, we won't judge you for it. Judge, judge, judge. Also, on an interesting music choice um, note, I don't know if you recognize the piece of music behind this, but the moment he started talking about Asara, the very same piece of music that played the first time he walked into her training hall is playing. Oh, very nice. Nice link. This, this is my Sam and Asara music. Um, but mainly it's more like Asara music, because she. I feel like this piece is very pretty and elegant, but also very sad. And I think that that kind of encapsulates Asara. She was very, she, she learned a lot. She was a very sophisticated Avalon. I don't think anyone would doubt that. I mean, just the way she talks to Jaina is very sophisticated. She is very experienced and very knowledgeable. And, but she's got some sort of fundamental sadness to her because she's really kind of like half a person. Yeah. So. I love hearing here about Sam's backstory. Yes, and there is more of that in the future. I'm really glad that we got to hear about it some in this episode, because, like, his mentor, Jake, like, there's more about him and more about Sam and, and Sam's time in the States originally. It's, it's, it's you know, it's stuff that you're going to find out later, but it was nice to be able to kind of tease it and show that he is telling Jaina, yeah. that he's not keeping things from her. And and the audience can assume from from this point that... Like, yeah, like, unless I so specifically state in the episode that they have not talked since the last time they talked, they've probably chatted. They've probably talked about his past occasionally. So, I wasn't sure about writing this line, but it's it's kind of, it's important. I mean, it's a it's an important analogy because it's he's actually talking about a an actual artifact in Celtic mythology, a red bar. It's a it's a spear point that was used. And uh, originally it was a spear, and then literally it was broken in half. And then it became two different artifacts. But um, I thought it was a good analogy for how Asara was. She used to be this strong, confident, intelligent, and skilled Avalon, and then one day something happened that just broke her in half. Interestingly, and just to lower the tone a bit, a red bar in Amsterdam is a brothel. Ha! That's funny! <laughs> well, there we That's all I got for you, sorry. It's all right. Oh, so this line, okay, this first line right here, where he's talking about the city, I swear to God, Chris Hackney's voice went from Noir is a Panther to I am Epic Announcer Man voice. I don't know why it happened. There is a bit, in a time gone mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a world of heroes, yeah, there was exactly. a cat. Well, it, was kind of, it was kind of funny. He um, had a bell. I do like this scene, though, as this is a huge drop of plot. It is. I, I just gave the big reveal that people have been asking about for the last, like, six months about Noir's past. Because she flat out says she cursed him. Oh, creepy, creepy, human. creepy voice. Yeah. I love the echo you've got on it. That's just a, a, a base filter. 
Yeah, it's just a vocal. It's a large vocal reverb. That's it. Yeah. Oh. So. Nice. But it, I think it works with Bernadette's voice very well. She kind of has that natural purr to it, and this kind of she draws things out and then speeds them up some so that it doesn't slow down the tension. Um, yeah. And it, the the oh, reverb yeah. really helps with that. Ugh. I love this scene though. It's just it's it's so cool seeing that that kind of that ridiculous ridiculously strong and obsessive kind of feeling that that segment has towards noir and then you can just you can feel the hatred coming off of noir i don't think noir is someone who hates people but man he hates people also that was an awesome ad lib by bernadette um the little spelly thing she just did totally made up by her i did not tell her to do that Very nice. Yes, and I can Very see cool. that in the script, yeah. So, so I was laughing and thinking to myself, man, she's like the Egyptian version of Circe. Because I can come up with Circe's Greek-sounding stuff like nothing. Her. She apparently comes up with Egyptian-sounding stuff like nothing. So. <laughs> Two peas in a pod. And I don't know if people realize what exactly is going on in this scene, but when she cast that spell... She basically did the mean thing of putting voices in his head. So he's hearing screams and and, and, and hearing things that he shouldn't be hearing and trying to, she's trying to make him go crazy. She's a bitch. Well, she, well, she is. More ad-libs. And Bernadette is just really good at, like, like encapsulating the evil and then using it to her own devices. It's pretty cool. That's nice. Good to have people like that. Yes. I, I am very privileged that a, quite a few of my actors on this show are good with ad-libs. And even if it's not a big ad-lib, like, I'm not saying it's got to be a big ad-lib, but, like, Trent, his ad-libs tend to come in, in cute little ways. As you'll find out in the next scene when he shows up to talk to Carrie, there is a there are a couple ad libs in there that are freaking hilarious, and he came up with them on his own. And there's not much of a difference; it's just a couple it's a couple words that he changed around, or a couple things that he did differently in how he said it. But it just it. I have a very talented cast. All of them are very talented. I'm very glad to have them. Yeah, do indeed. Creepy <laughs> and sexy laugh. Yep. It's the best kind of sexy. Yes! <laughs> Never. He's so epic as Panther Noir. Jesus Christ. I have named him Lord of Room Space. And the reason why he is Lord of Room Space is because when he does that Panther voice, his voice naturally echoes in whatever space he's recording in. So I don't have to do anything to his voice. Uh, that's quite good. It just sounds echoey already. And so it's just like, I'm like, Lord of Room Space! Your room echo knows no bounds. Awesome. I'm I think that was another scene that possibly that, that drew out the length of the episode in a good way because I think they both take a lot of time over their lines. Yeah. Especially think, Bernadette with her. Yeah. Very sibilant on the S's and, and yeah. everything is drawn out to and maximum she, effect. She takes her time. It's yeah. clear that she's enjoying playing with her food, as it were. So it's... Oh, I love that scream at the end. Chris is like... I'm sure Chris is going to hate me at some point because I keep giving him, like, Roar! 
And it's it's not just an SFX cue, it's a line cue, so we have to yell. <laughs> Jaffy time. This oh, yeah. is also something that I added that added like twenty seconds to was I this was not originally a transition. Originally she was just walking on the street and I was like, you know, Carrie Carrie probably is the kind of person yeah. to follow people yeah. and go like to clubs and stuff or to restaurants. And try and talk to people there where it's loud and they're not going to feel bad talking about what they've seen. Nice, 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 so nice. I had her in, in the restaurant and then walking out and uh, talking to him outside. So you could still hear everything going on inside, but which is nice because it was kind of different music. It wasn't the, the really strong piano-y music that we always have at Avalon. So. Nothing wrong with a bit of jazzy time. The uh, the line oh right right before this line where he goes she goes I'm talking to weird people who've seen weird things around the block so funny because Richard Castor was just supposed to say what kind of things he gave me like six ad libs of like what two men and a sheep kind of things what kind of things are we talking about and the one that I wound up going with was the are we talking naked pictures of B Arthur kind of things what kind of things. Yeah, you know, I heard that before, and um, I, 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 I hadn't realized that you hadn't written the script. Although yeah, it didn't and, and ring I, a bell, but it did make me laugh. When and I part of it, it was so. that I managed to find one of one of M's oohs as Carrie, where she's kind of like, oof. And I used it there to kind of make it that he says that, and she just kind of does that, oh, bad joke. Um, Meanwhile, Julian drives in like an asshole. I know, He's totally unnecessary. Driver. Look at my penis. Uh-huh, yeah. driving. Oh, yeah. Look at the size of my penis. But he wears a helmet. <laughs> That's the funny part. Ba-boom. He's Tish. like clad in leather, but with a helmet. So, you know. No one ever got any falls Oh, so many jokes, Kat. So many jokes. I know. I know. Right now they're all he's back in town. There is a line here where she's like, um, where Carrie's like, you're gonna see, um, think of all the people she'll save. And that ad lib I was telling you about was Trent going, oh, oh, you saw her save people. Here, maybe you should take the camera. And it's right here. Totally. I mean, he all he did was change like a couple of words, and it became like this super snarky reply. She wasn't out today. Hence. He does a great job of being snarky and being angry at, wor at the world. I really am liking this phase of Julian's life where he's just Mr. Pithy. I know. I oh my know. God, that line. That was M ad-libbing that she fights demons, not kittens or wee bunnies. That was a very good ad-lib. I saluted her for that one. Did you even study your own history? Think of Lee in the American This line. Gave M so much trouble, I had to piecemeal it together. <laughs> there is no one solid take. I had to take bits and pieces. And meanwhile, David Alt had been visiting, so he's sitting there helping her with the accent, and at one point, he does the whole damn line in the Welsh accent. And M just goes, the role of Carrie for this line will be played by David Alt. <laughs> That'd be great. You could do a reverse episode. I know, right? Where David plays Carrie and M can play... Uh, yeah, Laura can play uh can play Julian, and that would be funny. That'd be great. Re reverse gender episode. Yeah. Write it. <laughs> Write the reverse gender it. episode. I want to hear it. Yeah. Okay, mom. He's such a douche. I know. Grow up, Julian. So, another ad lib that I wound up adding to it. Originally, he like originally the line is like just get out of here, and instead he's like shoot, shoot. Keep walking, keep walking. So I totally added a whole sequence of her getting spun around and summarily pushed away. 
thankfully not like pat on the ass pushed away because that would be like grounds for sexual harassment. But, Absolutely. You know, then we'd have a whole He did grab her by the arm and spin her and then walk her off. <gasps> the scary scene! OMFG! I found like the perfect piece of music for this too. You did find the perfect piece of music. No, it's Kevin McLeod. He just, he makes my job very easy. <laughs> Laura did one read of this where instead of saying BBS, she went BBS. <laughs> and I almost used it. And then I was like, no, BBS makes more sense for the sake of the episode. Oh. You can imagine that she's like totally just sitting on the couch. Rocks? When she, oh, when she turns on the light. Like, on the light, she's yeah. lounging. I see pale and lots of eyeshadow. Maybe lots of eyeshadow, but she's not pale. She's a beautiful Latina girl. Yes, of course. Oh, yes. We were discussing this earlier. Yes. Yes, we were discussing it earlier. Not only... Oh, here's the funny thing. Not only is Roxy Latina, and it's kind of one of those things that you didn't really see when she was first in the show because we never got around to doing a cover of her. Um, yeah. But now that she's back, you will definitely see a cover of her. You know, full a full cover with her on it. Um, but uh, not only is she Latina, she's also an equal to opportunity lover, which is something that that was actually they were talking about it on the on the pendant mailing list, and I had never said anything. Like I didn't even realize anybody else thought she was bi, and then Tracy Hall was like, "I'd like to think Roxy's bi," and I was like. You need to, like, get out of my brain, seriously. <laughs> Love our bisexuals in audio drama. Yes. Well, there's a reason that she gets so Remember, upset that Jay you you didn't stay for her and that Jay thought she was dead and all this, that, and the other thing. Oh, dears. She was very attached to her best friend. Oh, dears, dears. You know Bad news now. bears. This is bad. Not that you give a damn. I love the evilness of Tracy's voice here. She just did a fantastic job of sounding cold and sexy and evil all at the same time. It's great. This episode's full of cold and sexy and evil. Yeah, I know, right? What? I... But again, that's also why it's called Scars of the Past. Because it's like this episode is like full of shit coming back to haunt you. There's there's the whole thing with um with Dr. Matthew showing back up and, and, and her past coming back to haunt her when she realizes Asara's dead, and then there's then there's Jaina's past coming back to haunt her in two ways because Dr. Matthew shows up. Plus, um, Roxy shows up at the end and makes J Jaina question everything that happened that night and every night after it. Um, Noir's past comes back to haunt him because he finally, you know, Sekhmet drops the ball for the audience so you finally know that he was once human and he's been cursed. So, lots of... Uh, well, it's the end of the first third of uh, season two. Yeah, that's right. We are now four episodes into the season two. We are now to the first uh, third of it. And uh, there's a bit of math for you, everyone. <laughs> there is next episode is a ramp up episode, and then from eighteen on is like solid plot and action and just crazy roller coaster ride. So I hope you guys are ready. Bring popcorn. Make sure to put the lap bar fully down and. You just reminded me, I have popcorn in my house. I might have to make them after this. That's awesome. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, so awesome. Oh, we're through another episode. I'm so happy. Like, I was really glad to do this episode because it's one of those episodes that it's a lot of talking and not, like, almost no fighting. Yes. But it's very intense. A lot of stuff happens. So, so yeah. So here we are through another commentary. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Chris, before we go? Is there anything you want to Well, talk? there is, but unfortunately I'm not allowed to because it doesn't happen yet. But we'll discuss, <laughs> we'll discuss it next month. 
Okay, we'll discuss it next month. So, um, no, this has been a pleasure as always, my darling. It was so much fun. I really love this episode. I'm excited to have Tracy back on the cast, and I'm excited to see all the things that are going to happen. So hopefully everybody else will be excited too. All right, then. Well, have a month, everyone. Yes, have a month. Also, if you'd like to get a hold of us in any way, shape, or form, you can follow me on Twitter, at Genesis Avalon. You can email me at kat at pendantaudio.com. You can find us on the Yahoo group, which is groups.yahoo.com slash groups slash pendant. Or check us out on the website. Go to pendantaudio.com and go ahead and leave us a message on the uh, comments page. Uh, if there's anything you'd like to see, didn't like seeing, loved, you know, want to see more of anything, go ahead and give me a buzz. I love to hear from people. Um, anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys uh, next month. Bye. Bye-bye.